Welcome back to Division One Rejects. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo, solo in the studio tonight for episode 129. It's September 18th. We've got not one, not two, but three guests for you tonight. That's like, that's loaded, man. This is it's the first episode in D1R history with three guests on it. It might be. Um, the first of which will be joining us here shortly. That's Wayne Cavati. He is... I don't know. He's a lot of things. Putting a title on it, with a little subtitle, you see it just says covering D2 football for NCAA because I don't even know what to say. He does a lot of uh, columns and articles and a lot of different published pieces uh, around all types of Division II sports, not just football, but his football coverage is super top-notch. We'll talk to him here very soon after this quick intro. If you want to get right to that conversation and the others, use timestamps, bottom of the screen on YouTube. If you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, they're in the description. You're welcome. Fast forward to any part of it or just listen to me talk for a little longer. Otherwise, two other great guests today. Kevon Gregory, he's the DB from Newberry. If you live under a rock, Newberry just won the longest game in Division II history. Eight overtimes. That's absurd. I played a four-overtime game in high school. I wanted to leave. The game was that long. We'll talk to Kevon in a bit. And then finally, uh, Trey Thomas. He's a DB from Shorter University. Had himself a fucking day. Pick six, punt return touchdown, blocked PAT for a two-point conversion. Like, dude had a serious game on Saturday against uh, Chowan. Now, otherwise, we're going to talk to all those guys. Like I said, you can fast-forward to those conversations. We got week three game recaps, ton of big ones from the D2, D3 scene. Um, get some D2 teams playing FCS opponents. Definitely want to talk about those. Some big-time D3 uh, upsets as well. We've got our game of the week selections. Go to our Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you read those in our new Substack. The articles on those we put out. Going to be some good stuff from them. Also, upcoming Player of the Week selections. were kind of in the works on doing some Player of the Week stuff. It's hard. This shit is so hard. There are so many guys that ball out on a consistent basis that trying to pick one offensively, defensively for each like level of football, incredibly difficult. So, Bear with me. If I don't get those out until tomorrow or Wednesday or whenever, you know what I mean? I'm going to try and do it. Um, but it's tough, man. But as always, you can watch this episode on YouTube. Like I said, do not forget about those timestamps. Spot on the screen. Fast forward all throughout the episode. You can listen pretty much anywhere else. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Follow us on Twitter, D1 underscore rejects, on Instagram, Division One rejects. And uh, somebody please subscribe, just one of you. We're at 666 subscribers right now, last that I checked. Can just please one of you hit the subscribe button? Like I'm not asking for everyone who watches this, but just like one. Because that's, that's not good karma coming my way right now. So, help brother out. Hit subscribe. Otherwise, let's get right to that first conversation with Wayne. Joining the show tonight, if there's a sport to be played at the D2 level, this man covers it. He covers it well. He's been doing it since 2016. The Dean of D2, Wayne Cavati. What's up, man? Thank you for the... Uh... Very humbling introduction. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. That's right. You say some call you the dean of G two. Who who is the some? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll give I'll give credit where credit is due. Uh, Western Washington's um, SID Jeff yeah. Evans called it. We we met each other for the first time in 2016, and I had done a couple articles on on their school, and That's all of a cool. sudden he goes, "You are the dean of Dean too," and it kind of stuck. And I it's love got it. a it's good favorite. ring to it. I like that, man. I like that a lot. Um. <laughs> But, I mean, you and I were just chatting before I hit record. Holy D2 football. Like, have we been spoiled this year? I feel like we've been spoiled this year a lot. You know what the beauty of D2 football is? Is, you know, I talk with the, the guys at D2football.com a lot, and I talk to other beat writers, and I feel like I say that every year, right? <laughs> every year you come in and you have these expectations and you make your preseason rankings and it all goes haywire by week two, and yes. I love it. And you talk about week one, that opener, and my mind obviously goes to – the Minds game against GV, and I don't know if you could possibly set the bar higher for what our expectations are watching. I mean, obviously those two teams, but also just throughout the landscape, you know, week by week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, week one every year should be Grand Valley State and, and Minds. There's yes. no two ways about it. They, they, they don't fail to impress. They're two of the best teams. You could wipe the rosters clean, and they're going to always be two of the best teams. So that that's great. But it, it's like you said. You know, every week we get a couple of these big ranked games. Um, you know, the first three weeks of the season, as we saw this past week, you get a couple FCS matchups. Um, the Ferris State one was incredible. Um, the West mm -hmm. Florida one, 
you know, in, in all honesty, their defense played amazing in that first half. The offense just couldn't find rhythm. So the, the final score, the, the defense was gassed. They were on the field the whole time. The final score does not indicate how well that defense played in that game against a nationally ranked FCS school, you know? Absolutely. So you get a lot of great matchups these first three weeks that kind of set the tone for the season and 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 see where we're going from there. Let's start right with that, man. Let's start with the Bulldogs. Number one, I watched um, a good amount of that game. We're sitting around. It's on ESPN+. Plus and at some point, I'm sitting there with my buddies and my one, you know, my one teammate's in the couch. He's like, fuck it. I'll pay 10 bucks for ESPN+. Plus. We're putting this on. Like, at this point, we need to. Um, so we tune in, and that's when they're going down the field. They had that um, interesting maybe fumble situation. You're like, ah, that's over. And then, oh, it's returned. We're so back. They convert. <laughs> and then taken away from them right at that last minute but um just talk some big takeaways from that one obviously ferris's defense that physical style of play i know a lot of people didn't know if that would translate against a much bigger stronger at least supposedly more imposing fcs squad over there in montana yeah i mean look first of all i mean if you watched it and, and those announcers just kept saying it the fact that they went into that stadium and didn't once lose their composure yeah. not once and that place was loud every time they were in the red zone um and you know, if you ask me, they had that game, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, early on, they went on fourth down in inside scoring territory. The last drive, they were in scoring territory on fourth down. They missed a field goal. You know, I think they showed the world that for what it's what you said, their defense, it's it's their signature. Yes, uh, you know, Tony could be, beat, coach could beat people with anyone at quarterback, you know, and, and that's been his thing. He'll, he'll find these athletic guys that could play former lacrosse players that become the most the best quarterback in D2 yep. you know and he finds these guys that know how to do his system and win and he tailors the system to their need to their needs but the bottom line is um the bottom line is uh they're fast they're quick they're powerful um and Montana didn't know what was coming and mm -hmm. you could tell that they were they were overmatched you know at points obviously Montana regrouped but that first half it was all Ferris State if you ask me and it, it kind of showed the world that um D2 could play I mean that was incredible and you talk about that quarterback tandem they have going on right now with a guy like Golker who just we saw last year we know he has a nose for the end zone especially when they get anywhere inside that red gold zone depending on what coach you ask whatever but um <laughs> looking at Malik and what he brings to that offense as well um a great soundbite I liked from a niece earlier in the week is talking about you know what is really the reasoning for going to a place like Montana you talked about it already the atmosphere and he had said that, you know, in an anchor bone classic, like you're going to get that place packed. I don't care if you play out in the Kroger parking lot, but at a place like this where that stadium shows up and shows out, we talked about it on this show a lot. Like what the hell else do they have to do out there? Like it's a football game. Everyone in there is, is there So for them to have that type of playoff atmosphere and to have that type of training for maybe the new faces on that roster. How valuable is that for them? Yeah. I, I mean, well, you kind of mentioned it, right? First of all, well, let's be real. Uh, Lubber Stadium, Grand Valley State, that, that's not a D2 stadium. Yes. The, the average D2. So the, you, you look at what Ferris State has done, and, you know, they play these teams. They play in McKinney all the time. Um, they, they're ready for the spotlight, right? They're ready for the best of the best. And when they play the Super Region 3, you know, it, it's no joke. So the teams that they played, I think that's what made them ready for this kid. Now, you know, at, at the same sense, can any D2 school walk into Montana do what Ferris State did? Of course not, right? Yep. Like Ferris State, we're talking, there's a handful of teams that could probably do with a, enough time to prepare what Ferris State did. But I think what they've been through the last, really since 2018, since they lost that national championship game to Valdosta State, the, the teams they've played, the stages they played on, you know, like this, they were ready for this. like, And and it showed. And so we, when you're asking what lessons they could take away, I don't think it was any lessons. I think it's just they're going back and they're being like, what we what we do works, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. what we do works. We are the number one team in the country and they could have, that's a huge confidence boost that they came out of there losing by a score. You know, oh, yeah, and, and that's oh, yeah. bad. That's bad for everyone else in D2. Right. And they get a buy now and then we have them on the road at their place. That's going to be. Cool. Uh, homecoming tough. too right that's a tough one yeah their homecoming game our boys from from northern up here will will travel down there but um we can move on down the list talk about um you know just briefly on mines obviously a team of that caliber is going to beat teams they're supposed to beat that offense is ridiculous i mean 
enough said. Like, what is it about this squad, man? Just moving forward, we've seen them play a couple really marquee matchups early on. I know this week is uh, Pueblo next up on the docket for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the big thing about them. And, and the same with, you know, number. The, I have Grand Valley State tied at number three. The, the two of them, the past two years, and Angelo State you could throw into the mix the past few years, they test themselves early on, mm-hmm. right? The, the the schedule that Mines has, and if you remember, Mines lost those two first games last year, playing Angelo and Grand Valley. And obviously they lost the last game. They they won everything in between. So you got a guy like Mat- Matoka, who's arguably, I, I don't know who's better than him at quarterback in, in D2. And you have that experience coming back and you have that, that defense that are, it's just aggressive. They're the sack, you know, they led D2 in sacks. They're aggressive. You have that experience come back. And there's definitely a chip on your shoulder that, hey, people have question marks about us because we did lose. You know, you lost Zeman. You lost a couple big-time pieces. Yep. You know, they they have question marks after we the way we showed up against Ferris State. Let's go out and prove the world, you know, who we are. And they're showing it right now. They have three really impressive wins. I know Adam State wasn't the, the Grand Valley State or Angelo State they played, but – they won 70 to seven, right? Yeah. This past week, like when you're, you're not, they're not taking the pedal off the metal for anyone this year. They're going to be, they're showing what they're capable of. And you know, that they, they will say you hear a lot of it. And if you look at the history, it speaks it, it's super region three or the Gulf South, right? That's it. And yep. there's teams out there and, and Colorado school of mines is one of them that wants to show that, Hey, there's other teams that can win, you know, and, and they're showing that they're one of them. Absolutely. And that was all the conversation, you know, when I tuned into that Grand Valley State broadcast in the beginning was, oh, well, they didn't show up very well against the Gleak foe, blah, blah, blah. And then they start out that game and it looked like they were going to blow it open for a little bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. So um, talk about a team that, you know, they do what they're supposed to do as far as minds goes. A team that overachieved this last week, at least in my opinion, Grand Valley State. They have Assumption coming to town and just blew the brakes off the Greyhounds in their home stadium. And they looked Really good. Coach Wooster had talked about how, you know, they've been one of the best first and fourth quarter teams in the country, but second and third quarter, all of a sudden, the wheels have kind of fallen off for them. So for them to put together a actual wire-to-wire win over an assumption team that is a quality opponent, that for them, I mean, speaks volumes about where they've been able to rebound and where, you know, they're going to head into conference play with a ton of momentum. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, Grand Valley State, I had them number two coming into the year. The 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 talent they have returning and they even lost some big names but that you know Abe Swanson Cade Peterson these aren't just great players they're leaders right and you know you when you're playing your biggest rival is the two-time defending national champ you're, you're going to be motivated and sure they they played a heck of a first game you know and and you lost it at the buzzer to the defending runners up you know there, there's no shame in that there, this is still a top three team they have the experience they they will be able to test themselves, right? I think they have Saginaw Valley next. I believe that's who that they play. That sounds right, yeah. They have a bye this week, and then I think they open against uh, SVSU. So they're, you're talking about four straight teams that are getting, garnering top 25. You know, if they're not in the top 25, they've been receiving votes all season long. Yep. Um, and, and they've handled themselves well, and, and they're putting up the numbers. But as you mentioned with Assumption, a, two, a 2022 playoff team, they needed that. They needed a win where from the first whistle to that last whistle, there was no question after their first two games. You know, they went to the wire twice with the Colorado Powers, and then they just came home and they're like, all right, this is it. And that that could be a big turning point for the season because assumptions no joke, you know, and 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 they made it look very easy. No, I'm I'm with that. And that that very easy is like, you know, obviously it wasn't, but that was the way watching that game, man. It felt right. like everything that could go for them was going for them now in that next grouping here you've got pittsburgh state tied at three they have a little bit of a scare this last week central missouri knew that one was going to be very competitive obviously the offense from them from the mules super explosive but for them to stay in that contest pittsburgh state has actually kind of given us a couple scares the last couple weeks that first half against fort hayes who now turns around upsets northwest missouri state this last weekend so maybe not as much of a fluke i guess that, that last week for the gorillas as we were thinking yeah, no, I mean, look, the MIAA is, is wild, right? Like even, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of new faces in, in Nebraska Kearney. Yep. Um, they're, they're, they're having some struggles this year. Washburn lost a, a, a wild one, right? Like all these teams that we thought were going to be the top are kind of like, well, 
where Fort Hayes State come from, right? Like it's like, and they're hanging with the big guys. So, you know, um, but I think Pittsburgh State, I think ultimately their defense is just it's it's superb. Um, I just I do think that MIAA is is really, really tough this year. I mean, Missouri Southern was dropping like 30 points a game, you know, it's like all these teams can are, are stepping up to the challenge now. And, and Pitt State, you know, they kind of they kind of shift the switch last year by winning the MIAA, right? It's been Bearcats country for so long that sure other teams make the playoffs from the MIAA, but finally someone, it, it was like, you may be too young for this. I may be dating myself, but when Rocky and, and, and Drago are fighting, Oh, come on now. Finally, in the yeah, seventh yeah. Round, like Rocky cuts Drago and they're like, he's bleeding. He's cut. He's cut. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like last year. Right. That's like true. there's actually a new person coming out of the MIAA. And, um, so I think everyone's stepping up their game, but I do think Pittsburgh State's defense, I think that's inevitably the 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 thing that will put them over the edge and what holds them off. But you mentioned it, Central Missouri. I had them in my top 25 last week. Okay. Coming into this game. Um, and I just think their offense, you know, I, I mentioned it in one of my pieces. It's like the Brooke Bowles offense from about four years ago. And Brooke Bowles was just ridiculous quarterback and that team would score 50 points a game no matter who the defense was or who they were playing and and they have a lot of it looks a lot like that right now that they're they're not going to shy down from anybody i hear you there man now this next i'll kind of i'll kind of group them here it's talking about five through seven you've got minnesota state mankato you've got bemidji state at six you got washington baptist at number seven three teams we've seen the talent we've seen the epitome of consistency but three teams nonetheless that you know haven't really been I guess, tested in the same way, like battle tested at these other teams that we've talked about. I guess talk about that for these three guys heading into the year, because like I said, we've seen the talent, we've seen the possibilities, um, you know, and being in the two of them being in the NSIC, uh, which is, you know, could have a lot of parity in that conference. What are you seeing from uh, these three squads? I think it's a lot of what you said right now, right? It's what we know. And, and these are programs that are kind of come out there and they're going to take care of business. And that's exactly what they've done. Uh, I agree. They haven't been, like if you look at their strength of schedule, it's it's not lighting the world on fire. Yeah. But they've they've done exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, Minnesota State, I just think I thought they were top ten for most of the last year. I was just really impressed with how they turned the corner. You know, it's like they you joke they had one bad year in the last like ten years, and it wasn't even bad. They just yeah. didn't make the playoffs, right? And they get and, written and, off all this all right, of a sudden, and they get completely written off. And then last year they're like, guess what? We're still here, and they're just <laughs> they're even building up more momentum, and they just look like you know Shen Butler Lawson. It looks like the guy can't be stopped right now. The, it's amazing what he's doing, and when you have that defense and him controlling the clock, you're in trouble, right? Bemidji, I think the impressive part for them so far, again, the competition isn't a Minnesota State or anything yet, but their defense has been impressive. You know, they're used to winning shootouts because of Brandon Alt. Yeah. So far, their defense has been impressive, and, and Washita is Washita. I mean, they're going to run the ball down your throat. They're going to throw it exactly when they need you and be completely efficient when they do, and then their defense isn't going to let you score. And, and, and that's just wash, rinse, repeat, right? That's, that's their recipe for success. Now, granted – you know, they get to the tough part of the schedule and you got Harding and Henderson State to go through. Yo, the yo. end of your season's no easy run. So, you know, they they have to win these games. They don't have a choice if they want to lock up a postseason bid. I hear you. And we had the chance to have uh, Trev Abel and then uh, Shen Butler Lawson also on the show. And he had talked like my quote. I always try and find the one quote, you know, for the little social post or whatever. And he had said, like, <laughs> we're just trying to get back to old school Mankato football. And I'm like, that's what they're doing, man. Their time of possession, just like eating clock. Yeah. You go on an eight minute drive and then the defense knows they got to come right back out in the field and suffer again through the same thing. Like that is demoralizing. Like that is so <laughs> demoralizing for a squad. Um, you know, when you just know that that style of offense is coming and it's what are you going to do about it? So I'm excited to see them, you know, as they move through that NSIC and, and see what's going on with them. But we can switch over to the Gulf South a little bit. Delta State, West Florida, got them flipped this week as opposed to last. Uh, West Florida coming off that game against FAMU where really, I guess the moral of the story, offense just couldn't get going. Pee Wee, super out of rhythm. Um, you know, kudos more so to Florida A&M just getting in there, applying consistent pressure. And then uh, yeah. Delta State. You know, an upset over an FCS opponent, albeit, you know, probably not the same level of FCS between the the two of them. There obviously there's levels to it. Yeah, and and typically I don't let an FCS game affect my rankings, but three and zero is three and zero, and West Florida is two and one. You know, and and really the week before West Florida was eight and Delta State was nine, and they were really right there. They, it's it's right here, and mm -hmm. 
you know, um, West Florida's defense has been ridiculous. Uh, they they allowed six points going into the the FCS game. Delta State, both of these teams for me were they weren't in my preseason top ten, but they were top ten teams. If that yep. makes sense, there was just a huge amount of question marks. Sure, you had Shegod coming back in Delta State, but not a lot of everybody else. And don't forget, two years ago they weren't a playoff team, right? They were a five hundred team. Patrick Shiga comes in and all of a sudden they're a steamroller and they're taken down. I remember they were on the road for like six of their first seven games last year and they just steamrolled everyone on the road. West Florida, Pete Shinnick, I mean, the guy was a, a genius. What he did is there should be stories written, like books <laughs> written about it. The guy walked in and was in a national championship game, right? It's like, who does that? It's so you have a new coach. You have a new coach come in. You have a couple new changes on defense. Um, you know, Shamari Mason leaves town. David Durden's on the Cowboys for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, like this team lost some major stars. You lost arguably one of the best, you know, obviously not long tenure. He wasn't there long enough. But what he did in the time there, Pete Chinnick's one of the greatest D2 coaches ever. And it was all gone. So – that being said, I think they're a top 10 program, but I had to see what they were capable of doing. And I've seen that. And and the same with Delta State. And now they're both where I think they should be. And now that they're getting in the heart of Gulf South plate, don't be surprised to see both of them start jumping up the rankings should another team lose. I hear you, man. That's, that's how I feel all these guys are, right? Like the word is opportunistic. Like you're just waiting for yep. one of these teams to fold or take a misstep. And, you know, if that was the Gorillas this last night, then one, all these teams are kind of getting ready to just make that next jump. But um, this last squad, no different. Emporia State, Brian Gleason, that offense, the 29-year streak ended. I didn't believe that stat when I read that the first yeah. time. That was absurd. Um, but this squad hosting uh, at UCO. This week? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. What have you seen from those guys, man? It's going to be, um, it seems to be a pretty potent start from them. Let's see if they can keep it going. Yeah. The one thing I want to pull up that is crazy for you, you know, that you said the 29 years thing. Yeah. Northwest Missouri State is out of the AFCA top 25 for the first time in 242 straight weeks. That is 2003. Um, so man. that's just, all that's to say is there's clearly a changing of the guard. In the MIAA, I think, um, you know, Emporia State set that tone by beating. They went into Maryville and ended that that streak. You know, yeah. I think, you know, we're talking about great quarterbacks, and I've been saying it all year that I think Braden Gleason is something special. Um, he's been showing it. It's not just he's a he's not just a chucker. He's so efficient. I don't believe he has an interception yet this year. You know, so you're talking about a guy with double digit touchdowns and no interceptions through three games. That's a, against you know, quality teams, that, that's a good sign of things to come. And the defense has played well. Um, I don't know how the defense holds up against, you know, some of the other teams as the, as the season's going, but I've been high on them since the preseason rankings. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I have a formula I, I, okay. I kind of do when I do my power 10 and I have to take some of the selection committee metrics in it, but some of it is just no looking at the team and talking to the coaches and seeing what's there. And, when they come in and you're higher on a team and it's kind of like, okay, let these guys prove me wrong. So far, they haven't proved me wrong. So I'm going to keep giving them the, the honor of being a top 10 team until oh, they yeah. prove me wrong. You're right. Oh, yeah, man. I hear you there. But um, I guess last piece for you, you had the first five out. Talk about some squads like Benedict, uh, Lenore Ryan, Harding, Slippery Rock, Virginia Union, all these guys who have had some, obviously, they're in the conversation. They've had some pretty impressive wins, um, you know. You put them in alphabetical order. Is there one squad here that uh, you feel is maybe more primed to make that jump and, and surprise some people in these next couple of weeks? It's tough because Slippery Rock is always that squad. Slippery Rock is always a squad that could just, I mean, they already are doing it, but if they catch fire, you're not stopping that offense. And, mm -hmm. it, and it's, it doesn't, it's so weird that you could put any quarterback in there and any wide receivers, and they are always going to be three, you know, one quarterback, two wide receivers. It's going to be three of the most fun players to watch any year. Any, it doesn't matter who they are. So they're always on there, but I think it's Harding at this point. You know, okay. Harding is the consistency that they have. They deserve to be that. If there's a first out, I think that's Harding. Um, they, they, they do it time and time again. They're, you're, you talk about ball control, right? This is yep. a team that you're not – there's 25 running backs, it feels like, on that team. No one's going to have 100 <laughs> yards. 
it's going to be like five guys with 80 yards and two touchdowns, and they're just going to run it down your throat and not let you score, and they do it better than just about anybody else. But, um, you know, all five of these teams are deserving of being there, in my opinion. But if Absolutely. you're asking me, like, who that first out, yeah. I think it's hard. Yeah, I got to put you on. I got to put you on the spot at least once. You know what I mean? I just they have been throwing up layups here. I got to throw you maybe a little off speed or something, man. But um, that's all I've got for you. Like I said, I really appreciate you finally getting you on here, first of all. You're the man. Continue doing what you do. And uh, I hope this isn't our last conversation, man. Yeah, no, same here. And I, again, I appreciate you having me on. I, I love uh, being able to spread the word of, of D2 Sports and appreciate all your kind words. So, yeah, anytime. I, I, I can't wait to come back. Hell, yeah. You're the man. Wayne, have a good one, man. You too. See ya. Appreciate Wayne joining me. We talked about a lot of those top 10 matchups. Um, as far as the D2 games go, we'll probably skip over a couple of those, highlight some other teams. Do have some other cliff notes on the Ferris State-Montana game. Wanted to go a little bit more in-depth in that one specifically. Just, first of all, what a game. What a fucking game. That was awesome. I told Wayne, we paid the 10 bucks for ESPN Plus just to watch that son of a bitch. It was awesome. So, again, big takeaways from that one. You look at some of these statistics. Ferris State held Montana to 189 yards of total offense. He talked about that defense. That's the stat that lets you know this Ferris State defense is legit. You probably didn't even need to know that. You probably already knew it. 84 yards rushing on the day for the Grizz. That is ridiculous. Uh, time of possession, Ferris dominated it, 33 minutes to 26. And, you know, just at times, our offense going to get going. Penalties were definitely a big part of that as well. I'm trying to find here. Ferris had 15 penalties for 106 yards. And we had talked before the game about that's one thing you just can't do. When you go into a stadium like that against a really quality opponent, you can't have 15 penalties. Coach Anise knows that. Those guys know that. I don't expect them to do that again. They're definitely going to get that cleaned up. But also, takeaways from each side. Both sides had an interception. The one from Ferris comes from our guy, the D1R athlete, Sean Stevens. Gets his second week in a row with an interception. Shout out to Sean, the boy. And, you know, they're still number one in the country because that's a, that was such a game, man. But, again, another game we talked about a lot, Grand Valley. Assumption comes into town. They're a top 25 squad. Grand Valley routes them, man. Cade Peterson, Christian McCarroll named GLIAC Offensive and Defensive Players of the Week, respectively. Those boys balled out. Taking a look at the box score in this one, though, through just what was a wire-to-wire win for these guys. Cade Peterson finishes 15 for 23, 237, two tuds. Did have one interception. But on the ground, it was a very, very even split. Tariq Reed had the most carries, but only finished 24 yards, or 21, excuse me, as his net yardage. So most of their rushing yards actually came on one play from the man that joined us last week. Kellen Reed opened the game up on a crazy jet sweep, comes around 48-yard tud to bust that thing open. Assumption definitely had bright points, but this Grand Valley team, it seems to be just finding their rhythm, their stroke at the right time, heading into Gliak play. They might have a bye this week like we talked about, but... Excited to see what that squad does, man. Western Colorado at number 21, CSU Pueblo. The Mountaineers. How about a little upset action? 30-14. to 14. I don't know if it's really that much of an upset. If, if you really follow these teams, you follow the RMAC, I'm sure our guy Antonio Clark over there would say the same thing. Like, not a crazy upset necessarily. Um, but still a pretty dominant showing for the Mountaineers. They went 30-14 to 14 over the Thunderwolves. And their main contributors... I think the, the probably the biggest piece, you know, for them, Chance Fuller, the quarterback who had a hell of a game against Grand Valley last week, they, I don't even, let me, I got to pull up the calculator for this uh, completion percentage right now. 18 for 43 for Fuller. Let's see. 18 divided by 43. That is a almost 42% completion percentage. That's pretty good as far as the Mountaineers defense goes. I'm not talking about offensively. That was probably my, my key takeaway. They made him kind of stay off balance, stay off off schedule, off rhythm. And uh, their offense, while really wasn't extremely explosive, right, it was very opportunistic. They did have one pick. Bryce Lucas gets the interception there. Um, really well split on the ground, the rushing attack from them. And uh, Drew Nash finishes 17 for 31 with 195. And it's just interesting, like, where do these 30 points come from? You know what I mean? When you're not having those... Um, What's it called? When you're not having those big-time plays. And I will tell you, there was a punt return for CSU Pueblo. A couple field goals here and there. And 
just a really solid game overall for the Mountaineers. They were one that we featured in that little AI matchup, which was kind of cool. Uh, we might have to include them in another one. But definitely, uh, I know they got added. We'll take a look at the new rankings here. But I know they they made their way into that top 25. Number six, West Florida at Florida A&M, another FCS opponent. And this one we watched as well. Uh, I say we, the guys in my house, like we watched this one. Um, Pee Wee Jarrett and the boys offensively definitely struggled a little bit. And that's not even a knock at them. It's more of a kudos, like I had said earlier, to the FAMU defense. Boys were getting after it. They were in the backfield consistently. We're not letting him settle and get into rhythm on a lot of his throws. But still finishes respectable, 16 for 37, 134 yards and a tud. Did have an interception in that one. Um, FAMU definitely struggled early on. That second half kind of tore it open. Again, a game like this, you just can't take too much away from this West Florida team because you talk about the quality of opponent they're playing. Um, and, and that's a great, it should be a great learning experience for this West Florida squad. For a defense, like we said, had let up six points total in two weeks before this matchup. Don't expect that to be an every week thing, letting up 31. They are not going to let that slide over there in Pensacola. Pitt State at Central Missouri. Again, another game we talked about. The Mules almost pulling off the upset at home. They lose 38-37 to the Gorillas. And looking at the stats in this one, Super even across the book. Super even. Um, Pitt State, kind of true to form, getting it done a little bit better offensively on the ground, but total yards of offense were super similar. You even look at all these different kind of stats. Uh, time of possession, not so much. Pitt State, 35 minutes to 24 from Central Missouri. And that comes with the Pittsburgh State DNA and kind of what they want to do, dominate the line of scrimmage, churn out these long drives, and, you know, be opportunistic on those big-time plays. But not something to be very surprised about. Chad Dodson, 20 for 30, 286, three tuds. Hello. And the biggest stat, probably from this one, Colby Katzis. Nine catches, 200 yards, and a tud? Are you kidding me? Freshman of the year last year? Dude is a dog. What is that? Again, another average. That's... That's over 20 yards a pop. My math is not great, but I know that's over 20 yards a pop for the sophomore. That's incredible. Um, they did hold Devin Garrison down to a measly two catches for 35 yards. He had a tud, though, in the red zone there. Um, but nonetheless, good teams get it done on the road. Pitt State, no exception. The team and the game I want to talk about a little bit, that's Angelo State, number 10 team in the country, going to Central Washington. Upset alert. Central Washington takes this one 27-24. That was probably the biggest upset of the week. Angelo State coming off a loss to Mines last week in a game that really isn't that ridiculous because of the way Mines has been playing, that front seven on defense, that explosive offense. But you expect the Rams to have a bounce back this week? You'd be wrong. Um, looking at this one, though, Central Washington, they had it tied up at half, 10-10. Angelo State... Stages a bit of a comeback in the fourth. They outscore them 14-7 to in the fourth quarter. Just wasn't enough. At the end of the day, was not enough for the Rams. Um, Gerald Gardner did have a freaking day, though, didn't he? 27-38, 307 yards, two tuds, one pick. Central Washington threw for a combined 102 yards passing. Kind of wild. Kind of wild stat. Their leading receiver had three catches for 36 yards. That is absurd. Now, where they benefited, the two interceptions from Tanner Volk, that's big time. Key takeaways, keeping that offense on the field, trying to churn some stuff out offensively on the ground, 158 yards on the ground, a respectable number for this squad. But, I mean, that's just that, man. The, Angelo State didn't have anything going on the ground, 75 yards. They got it done through the air. That was what's keeping them in it. Especially when you get behind late, you start airing it out because you don't have a lot of time. You can't start churning drives on the ground. You have to get it done through the air. Angelo State tried to do that, just didn't have enough in it. But, nonetheless, got to give credit where credit is due. Central, Central Washington, excuse me, that, I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Very opportunistic game by them to pick that one up on the home, on the home turf there. And if you look at their schedule... Pull it up here real quick. They had an opening loss at number 10 in the FCS scene, Weaver State. 
10 to 35, again, a quality loss. Like, that's not anything to be ashamed of. And then you go against the number 16 team in the country on the NAIA level, uh, Montana Tech, 29-37. So you look at those two games, you see an 0-2 team. What you don't see is two quality opponents, two quality losses. All of a sudden, they come out, upset Angelo State, and now they're going at Western Oregon. I would assume that game might be pretty dirty. Dirty as in, like, one-sided. But we'll see. We've got a couple more D2 games to cover before we do. Get to those games. We got a little guest conversation for you. <laughs> Joining the show tonight, this guy's been a starter since his freshman year. And I got a crazy stat for you. He's the first player from Shorter University to win the Gulf South Defensive Player of the Week Award since 2015. From Jacksonville, Florida, it's Trey Thomas. What's up, man? What's going on? 2015, dude? It's been a minute. Had to change minute. that. Yeah, that was a goal. I love it, dude. I mean, that's pretty big time, especially, um, you know, for you guys coming out this year, two and run right now, statement win for you guys over Challenge, and now, um, you know, starting to receive some of those accolades, a little bit of hype, and just right here, right? Up, up, and up. Yeah, we got. Some, we done had a lot of highs and lows. We having a high right now, so we're just trying to maintain it overall, so... That's the tough part, right? Like staying there, trying to continue that. But uh, I'll read the I'll read the stats for the people, man. You and I know them. But uh, two interceptions. One was that seventy six yard, the pick six. You had a QB hit, uh, eighty eight yard punt return tud, and then you block a PAT, take that thing all the way back the other way for a two point conversion. It was like, I mean, I don't even know. I was gonna make an analogy, but there ain't much there ain't much of an analogy for that, dude. You were all over the place. It, I didn't get to tune into the game, but that would that would have been fun to watch, brother. Yeah, definitely. I was uh, I was really worried about all the like everything was going so good, and you know, playing DB, one little mess up the whole game out the window. So I was really just trying to focus up, finish out the game. But yeah, that was, that was my best game pretty much in a little minute. So I bet, dude, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to top that. But hey, you could do it though. Um, but talking about this game, you know, scoreless first quarter, and it wasn't until uh. Second quarter, you guys scored 20 before the half. Two of those, your touchdowns, it was the punt return first, then the pick six. Like you said, had to feel like everything was going your way. Was there almost this moment of, like, like some shit's got to go wrong eventually, right? Like, this is, you know what I mean? Not that it's too easy, but, like, you know, those games where you guys just seem to get every single break after break, um, that's not usually how football works. So in the back of your head, it's got to be eating at you a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I just felt like, man, I was playing so aggressive the whole game. I'm like, they got to hit me with a double move or something. So, yeah, I definitely had that in the back of my head. That's what you were looking for, though? Like some type of trickery or like a, yeah, like a set you up? Yeah, definitely. Because I'm usually an aggressive corner. I, that's really how I play. So, I always get hit with a double move. They, like, hit me with a couple hitches or a couple outs. And then here we go. Up and out enough, slant and go. So, I was really had that in the back of my head to have to focus on the technique the entire game. Yeah, I hear you, man. We've seen um, – and I'm sure it's happened in the past. We've seen a lot of guys, though, especially the D2 level, um, from the DB position come over and be that explosive punt return or return specialist type dude for their squad. I feel like how what is the crossover like from that, from playing the DB position to going over and being a return specialist, man? I feel like it's different because I'm not consistently having the ball in my hand running the ball. Yeah. So it's like a different drive. Oh, I can't go down by one man. One man can't take me down. So, and then two, I feel like I wanted to. I'm not trying to come across as like super cocky or anything, but like, I feel like I'm one of the best athletes on the field at all time. So, let me outrun this guy. Let me put a move on him and just try to make an impact in the game. Because how often do I get to touch the ball? Yeah. So. Yeah. Every every one of those moments, right? Every time you do get the rock, is like. No, well, shit, I got to make something happen with it because, like, this is my chance to do that. I get that, man. Now, um, Challenge finally gets on the board, and you don't even let them celebrate. That was their first touchdown you block and take back for the two-pointer, and that was, like, that's almost like I'm trying to – I was the analogy I was trying to think of earlier is, like, like a cycle in baseball. You hit for the single, the double, the triple, and the home run. Like, I don't know if the two-point conversion was the home run. Maybe that was the single or the double, but either way, you kind of, like, covered all your bases, dude. Yeah, definitely. When that happened, when that when that block and the scoop score happened, I was like, man, how am I going to top this? You know, so <laughs> that was crazy. I, uh, my teammates were hyped for me and stuff like that. And, yeah, it was just, it was good for the game, though, because, you know, yeah. them scoring their first touchdown, it could have changed the momentum of the game. But we stopped that right then and there. 
and put some points on the board. I'm going to say, man, you took the momentum, like, right out of them, right? Because, like you said, trying to claw their way back into the game. And, you know, talk about that a little bit, being able to put a team away and keeping them away, right? Not letting uh, a team like that claw their way back into it. I think that's just as important of a quality of a really good team, one, to get out ahead, but then, two, to maintain and not let that other squad come back. Definitely, especially because they had some good athletes. Like, their quarterback, he could definitely make some – plays on his feet, which he did. You know, it was some third down situation. We were trying to get out the field. He used his feet. So things like that, we was like, man, we got to put them away. We got to suck the life out of them to the point where um, they don't even want to play anymore. So mm -hmm. that was the goal there. I like that, bro. I like that. Now, um, pretty big statement win for you guys, starting out conference play. Looking at the last two years. Oh, that kind of sums up the last two years for you guys in the Gulf South, that little flip right there. And, you know, let's be yeah. honest, not the years that you guys wanted. This year, though, like I said, 2-1, and one, probably feeling a lot more confident about this squad. Is this the year? This is you know, your, your, maybe your little clickbait title, but is this the year that uh, Shorter makes a little bit more of a statement down there? I definitely think so. Um, coming in my freshman year, I didn't know what I was getting into with college. And college is a big difference. No matter what level, uh, it's a big difference when it comes to athletes. Everybody has size. Everybody has speed. So I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, we didn't have a good season, but I saw the my, the recruits that we brought in each year. Their mindsets was totally different from the guys I was doing my freshman year. And then, too, just people starting to buy in. So I really do believe that this year in particular, we definitely will have a lot better season than the previous year. So Yeah. A building block, man. Like, I'm not saying you got to go out and win the damn whole damn thing. You know what I mean? But um, it's building blocks, right? It's getting to, you know, where you want to be. And what a better chance than this next week, man. At Delta State, the boys feeling up to the challenge? I believe we are. Uh, Delta State, uh, my freshman year, we lost in about one point. And, okay. Uh, so, personally, I know guys in my class, they, they want some get back. They feel like we left that game out on the field. My freshman year, we came back our sophomore year. They blew us out the water. It wasn't close at all. But I feel like because of the momentum we have defensively, uh, not really giving up a lot of points, shutting stuff down the last two games in particular, I feel like going into the Delta State game, we definitely have an opportunity to like not only prove other people wrong, but prove ourselves right. I like that. Hey, I like that. Prove yourselves right. Right, because I don't. Everyone says like it doesn't matter what people outside the locker room, people outside the building say. It's all about who's in here. So, you know, at the end of the day, you don't need to prove people wrong. You just got to prove yourselves right. I like that, bro. Um, but defense travels. That's the that's the slogan, right? And I feel like you know, you guys having that momentum, like you said, that's got to open up so many things for your offense and just the dynamic over there has to be um a pretty exciting one. What is it that you're excited about, maybe offensively for you guys that you feel like you're doing really well right now? I honestly, we lost our starting QB first game of the season against Sanford, and uh, we got a young guy in there. Okay. But with, with these two games and with our defense doing what it needs to do, I feel like it makes it more comfortable for him to just chill, uh, let the game come to him. And we have some explosive receivers. I feel like out of all the years I played, I would have played against some good guys. A uh, couple guys um, went to the, to the league or went Canadian that I went against. But based off the receivers I go against every day in practice, I feel like they're just as good as some of those guys who went out to the league or whatever. So if they put up, perform the way they do in practice and the way they've been doing the last two weeks, we definitely have a chance in shocking some people. Hell yeah, my man. Hell yeah. We're dropping our uh, National Player of the Week honors either, I don't know, I think tomorrow or something. But you're going to be our guy for D2, bro. So I wanted to tell you that on here. Yeah, you're the – you're the guy for us. So I just, I'm pumped for you. I'm excited to tune in uh, this weekend, man, hopefully, and and uh, catch up with you guys. Hopefully, like I said, right here, man, every week, up, up, and up. But that's all I got for you, Trey. I told you I'd keep it pretty quick, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, brother. Have a good night, man. All right, you too. See ya. Back on the D2 scene. We got a couple more games to highlight before we move over to the Division Three side of things for you today. One game needed to highlight. Not a top 25 team either side of this thing. Don't care. The game was electric. Lockhaven versus Clarion. This one, the way it finished, I guess, is really the story. Uh, Lockhaven on the road at Clarion. They are down 13-7 at half. Scoreless in the third. They score 14 in the fourth on a Hail Mary and a Flea Flicker we're about to watch to end up winning this thing on the road. Very impressive showing. 
you guys have to see this clip. Hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. And I mean, this is just this thing's incredible. I'm gonna keep the uh I'm probably just gonna keep the volume off. Where's my there's my mute guy right there? I'm gonna keep the volume off. But check out the tweet. Shout out Haven Athletics for this clip because this is just incredible, man. This is the play that would win Lockhaven the game. You can see right there. 16 seconds left in the fourth. Lockhaven lining up. They've got one more shot at this thing. It's fourth and 10. On the 30. Snap. Handoff. A little reverse to the flea flicker action. And now he's going to go deep. Insane. The man was bodied up on the route. Like, they wasn't even open. I'm not sure what the DB is doing there. He definitely not going to hear the end of that one for a while. Watch that one more time, though. Because I think that's the thing. It's lost, too. This ain't your normal flea flicker. This is a reverse into a flea. This is insane. One, two, three. He barely gets that off, too. Wait a minute. He barely, right here, Buddy is getting tackled as he's ripping the ball up. Gets it off, QB, dot, I guess. But look, 14, not even open. DB tries to make a ball, maybe a little bit of a push-off. Can we have that conversation? I don't know. DB tries to make a play on the ball, not happening. He grabs it. Little spinorama, not sure what Buddy in the back is doing. (laughs) He gets pushed into the end zone. That's a tud. That's the game. Look at 82 here. Shout out my boy. He was coming, right? Right here. My boy was coming down here to celebrate. Bottom left corner of your screen there. He was coming down to celebrate with the boys. And, oh, shit. We just blew it. Been there, felt that, big fella. Been there, felt that. Shout out to Lockhaven. Shout out to, uh, I believe it's uh, Mulrooney and the staff down there for getting that big dub on the road. Just an incredible clip, man. And we'll stay on the uh, the upset alert. I mean, not that last game. We've talked some upsets today, though. Fort Hayes State, we talked about it. Over Northwest Missouri State, who is number who was number 15 in the country at the time before they got beat. Again, Fort Hay State held this team to six points throughout the duration of this one. And now they're out of the uh, top 25 for the first time. And who the hell knows how long? Wayne told us a little bit earlier. I already forgot the number because it was so absurd. Oh, boy. Them boys over there, the Bearcats, they got to get it together, man. Didn't have a ton going through the air, but their rushing attack did struggle quite a bit. Jay Harris has been a consistent piece for them out of the backfield. 27 carries for a little over 100 yards. Like, he's been solid for them. But they just couldn't punch it in when they got there. Like, they couldn't get there, you know, have a drive in the red zone and finish it with points consistently. And that's where they struggled, um, you know, flipping the field especially. Credit, though, to Fort Hayes. Jack Dawson, 17 for 33. 289, two tuds. Like the sound of that. They had two receivers over 100 yards and Trevor Watts and Bryson Smith. Hello. Shout out to those guys, man. And that's what I'd said earlier, too. Like, now all of a sudden, that game last week against Pitt State, not so much of a fluke. Fort Hayes was leading at halftime. Here I am putting out a tweet about upset alert. Pitt State figures out a Pitt State. They come out and blow the brakes off them in the second half. But, you know, I had thought that was maybe a little bit of a fluke, maybe more of a Pitt State thing. Turns out this Fort Hayes State team, excuse me, legit contender in that conference. Excited to see what goes on over there for the Tigers. Um, I believe it's the Tigers. I wanted to pull up their schedule quick, too, talk about what they got going on. Next week on the road at Missouri Western, they come back home for homecoming against Lincoln. I'm going to go out on a limb and say two W's for them the next two weeks. And if they do that, then you're talking a serious contender in this conference because you still got some big ones looming on the horizon, Missouri Southern, Nebraska, Kearney, central Missouri, Emporia state. Like obviously we just talked about the parody in the MIAA. Like you're not going to get out of this conference easily, but if someone can do it, they might be the team to do it. Excited to see what they continue to do. Number 25, Saginaw Valley state at Truman state, the Bulldogs, another upset 21, seven, they get the win over the cards here. That's a big-time dub for the boys. They really shut down the SVSU rushing attack. They only finished with about 81 yards on the ground. Nolan Hare, 14 for 22 for the Bulldogs. 263 and two tuds. Yep. And 
kind of looking at the, let's see, the kind of the game notes of this one. And just looking at Truman in general, 3-0, and got a pretty nice ring to it. 20-10 to win over Finley. Then you go um, South Dakota Mines at home, 28-24, two quality opponents. Finish it up with Saginaw Valley. And now they've got Wayne State next week. So a pretty tough out-of-conference slate. Pretty uh, solid slate there for Truman State. They're looking good. They're looking really convincing. And this Saginaw Valley State game is just kind of the latest in, you know, that campaign that they've got going on right now. Um, defensive battle kind of to start this thing. And uh, there was actually a lightning delay, I believe, in the second quarter. Yeah, okay, here it is. Lightning delay with 2.32 to go in the second quarter after more than an hour delay they come back and play this thing. And this game was tied at 7 until the fourth quarter. So I don't want to make it seem like Truman State just blew Saginaw out of the water. Saginaw was very much in this thing from the first quarter to the last. But, you know, they made plays in the U2. And that's kind of the the biggest takeaway. Uh, two field goals blocked by Saginaw Valley. That's a ridiculous stat. To lose a game where you block two field goals is pretty ridiculous. They had a red zone interception, SAG did, and then a Bulldog blocked punt. Oh, my goodness. So, definitely, Truman might have actually dodged a couple bullets in this one, reading some of those cliff notes there. Nonetheless, Saginaw, they're going to level out, especially getting into GLIAC play. They're going to compete. Uh, Grand Valley State coming back in after the bye. They're going to be... They're going to be just fine. Not worried about that. Before we get to the D3 side of things, talk about some Division Three games of the week. Let's get one more guest conversation for you. <laughs> Joining the show tonight, this guy just played in the longest football game in Division Two history. He balled out from Newberry College, Kevon Gregory. What's up, bro? Appreciate you, bro. Thanks for having me, bro. Of course, man. I played in a four-overtime game in high school. Let me tell you, that shit, draining. <laughs> absolutely draining it is terrible and at some point too i mean i only played four the people the players like let's get out of here man like somebody just win already bro yeah facts fact we was definitely we was definitely tired after like the first one so eight of them was just crazy but i'm just glad we pulled it off absolutely yeah because the the only thing worse than eight overtimes is losing a lot after eight overtimes yeah, so facts. for you guys to be on that side of it um obviously big time but talk about like you said had to be like a roller coaster of emotions for you guys just after each and every period and two point conversion or stop. I mean, talk about that roller coaster of emotions, man. Yeah, the main thing we were just trying to keep our composure, you know, they scored off the little off the little running back thing where the, the corner came out through a series. Yep. So we were just trying to just make sure we get the little things right and just come out with the win. For sure. And that's a game too where you guys didn't score till the end of the third quarter. I was looking at kind of the recap there and both defenses yeah. stepping up big time. Some key takeaways. You had one in that interception. I believe one of your linebackers also had a pick as well. Yeah, Jalen, Jalen. Big time. So, obviously, uh, their defense playing their ass off too. But then they had a chance to score the go-ahead touchdown near the end there. We got called back for, was it an illegal substitution? Uh, I think it was too much people on the field. I'm not okay. sure. I'm not too sure about that one. I got you. So, what was that? Uh, like, where were they at in the field when that happened? I think he was, like, in the 20. It was real close to scoring. Everybody was nervous. Damn, I, I feel that. I feel that. But let's talk more about um, the overtime periods a little bit, right? Once you get past uh, the second overtime, the offense mm -hmm. takes turns lining up at the two-yard line, and they take shots at two-point conversions. I don't think a lot of people know that because and you could probably count on one hand how many games actually get to that point. But uh, what was that like? Dude, do you guys even know the rules after the second overtime? Honestly, I thought it was like sudden death. Whoever scored first loses, honestly. <laughs> so when they scored, I thought we lost until everybody was running on the field. Oh, my gosh, man. Was that like everybody kind of felt that way? Yeah, everybody thought we lost. Like the sideline, we was just everybody was just mad until they said defense up. That is man, it, was crazy. Just like, it was just like a switch. Everybody just locked back in just that fast. That's awesome, dude. Now, at the end there, obviously, you saw the final play. Winning it on, I guess we'll call it a Philly special. Is that fair? Yeah, Philly special. How did in a game where you know eight overtimes, right? You're pulling out probably every trick play you got in the book to try and finish this one off. Right. No shot at them. How did they not see that coming? That has got to be the one play you know you're going to see at some point. It's so crazy about that play because we ran that play uh, my senior year, 2019. The okay. same person who threw the touchdown, he threw the, he threw the same touchdown That's in the region sick. game and went up the region. That's sick, dude. That is uh. 
That's pretty sweet, Crazy. man. Um, you guys now one and zero in the sack, feeling ready. Yeah. I'm assuming heading into next week on the road. What does it feel like as far as that win? What does that do for your team's confidence, dude? Uh, we just worry about the next game. We don't really let games get us too high, get us too low. We just worry about where our feet are. Just worry about the next game. I mean, that's that's a good coach answer, right? Like that's a good press. That's a good presser answer. We'll save yeah, that one for the press around. But um, <laughs> yeah, I hear you though. But that's that is the the tough part, right? Is like after a pretty big either emotional win or emotional loss. Either way, you talk about how teams can stick around, how they can show up for next week. How do you guys uh, plan to do that? Uh, we just we just know what our personal goals is for the season. So we just got to know what we got to do each and every game. We just ready to go play and get some more wins. Straight to the point, bro. Straight to nice. the point. I love it. That's how you guys approach everything, huh? Yes, sir. Got to. I like it, dude. And yeah, you guys, um, I'm trying to think as far as coming out of that conference, too, especially your side of the conference. Remind me, is that the Piedmont or the – which side is that? Bro, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm not even sure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, that side of the conference, right? Absolutely loaded. You've guys got some big games uh coming down the schedule and I feel like it makes winning these ones all the more important because you guys know you're trying to make it into the playoffs, you're trying to make one of those runs like all of a sudden you lose a game or two here or there and you're not guaranteed literally anything as far as D2 the landscape goes. Yeah. That's big time. But yeah, man, I mean that's that's really all I had for you, just talking about those overtimes. But I guess personally, too, you had the big interception in this one. We can talk about you a little bit. As far as making your play, where do you feel like you can take those next steps uh, heading in these next couple weeks, man, being a real impact maker? Uh, I feel like every time I get my hands on the ball, I got to score. I don't want to just have interceptions. I want to have pick sixes. Mm-hmm. Just talk, we're talking with uh, Trey, uh, Trey Thomas from Shorter, actually, later in the episode. He kind of said the same thing. He was like, you know, because he's a return specialist, but he's also a DB. <laughs> And he's like, every time I get the ball in my hands, I feel like I got to make something happen because I only get that one chance. Is that kind of the same thing? Yes, sir. In fact, I don't even play no special. I just play DB. So every time I got, I get it in my hand, I got to score it. I feel that, bro. Sweet, man. I told you would be pretty brief. That's all I got for you, brother. Appreciate you coming on. All right, bro. Appreciate you having me, bro. Have a good one. Of course. You too, man. See ya. Let's talk some Division three games, starting with our game of the week here from D1 Rejects. Number four, UW-Whitewater. At number 19, Mary Harden-Baylor, the Crusaders 0-3 for the first time in program history, losing uh, their first game in who knows how long on their home turf. Man. That's got Game of the Week written all over it, guys, and that would be why it is our Game of the Week. But looking a little bit deeper into this one, the Warhawks win 17-14 at the Crusaders' place. And who stood out? Not exactly the passing tech. Tamir Thomas, though, every week this dude's showing out. 23 rushes, 111 yards, two tuds. He is, oh, excuse me. He is a model of consistency right now for the Warhawks. The dude has been all over the place. Love to see that. Um, overall, a, a relatively quiet game offensively for both these squads. Not so much a shot to their offense. Again, the defense has shined in this one, especially early. And that's just something that you know when you get into a game of this caliber that's going to happen. Whitewater up 14-7 to at the half. They'd be very quiet offensively in the second half, but I guess you know they just did just enough to pull out that win. And Whitewater, when you look at, talk about a schedule and a strength of schedule, they look good right now. They look really good, and you can see why they're receiving a first-place vote in the poll. They go at John Carroll week one and win that one by four in a tight one. Then they come back home versus St. John's and blow them out of the water. After they just upset Trinity, that's a big game. Now, at UMHB, they get the W. Look at their next three weeks for Whitewater. Holy shit. At Oshkosh, back home versus Lacrosse, at River Falls. If they make it out of that gauntlet, no sh- no, no shots taken at Stout, Platteville, Stephen Point, and uh, Eau Claire. If they make it out of this gauntlet, we're looking at a potential undefeated UW-Whitewater team. Which, coming into this year, is not what I expected. But like I said... You've got three games here. These are all very highly contested games. Those are the best four squads in the WIAC right there. So I don't want to make it seem like that's a given because it certainly is not. But if a team's going to do it, the Warhawks are going to be that squad. Again, you can see why they're garnering those first-place votes because of the way they're playing right now. Upset alert, though, probably the upset of the week. Susquehanna goes into Cortland, number 10 team in the country, takes down the Red Dragons 
And let's take a look at this one. I got a clip for you to show from this one as well. But looking at this, here's one that kind of jumps out. Time of possession, Susquehanna, 37-51. Cortland, 22-09. They possessed this thing for damn near the entire game. Now, that didn't stop Zach Boys from doing his thing. He had 400 yards on 11 completions. That's almost 40 yards a pop. Five touchdowns for the Cortland quarterback. That is a ridiculous stat line, albeit in a loss. That is an even crazier stat line. My goodness. So he had and he had uh, 15 yards on the ground, so he had over 400 yards combined on the day. What a game from the kid. But when you possess the ball for 37 minutes in the game, you know the rushing attack was potent. It absolutely was. They had two guys do a lot of it. Their starting quarterback, Josh Elrick, he had 162 yards rushing, 227 through the air. And then Tommy Grabowski, 100 yards on the ground too, another tud. Super balanced attack. For the, uh, what is it, the Hawks? River Hawks, I believe. Kyle Howes, nine catches, 142 yards, and a tud for him. Just big time. Big time plays all over. Had a forced fumble. Um, a couple sacks, looks like. And just really timely key moments there for Susquehanna. And I have a a video here that I have to share. I just mentioned Kyle Howes, leading receiver for them. Why don't we take a look at this clip because, oh, my, in the red zone here, throw that thing up, little back shoulder, no problem, my friend. That is a legit catch, and he wants him to know all about it. You saw that. I love it. The boys getting him away, take him away a little bit. But what a grab, man. Let me get that one more time. Let me get that slow-mo. Oh. That is beautiful. And then, let me see. I see that time. He, see the, he looks up, see the ref, see the touchdown sign. Man, get off me. <laughs> what a play from the kid, man. That's sick. That is so sweet. Shout out to the man, the man here, Brendan Alvino, for the clip. Awesome clip. Had to shut you out. Love to see it. Um, but, man, hell of a clip there. A couple more games to highlight. Uh, number seven, Linfield. They barely pull out one at Redlands, 17 to 10 against unranked Redlands. And, you know, just kind of a, I guess, a scary run in, to be honest. If you're Linfield, who, you know, I guess didn't necessarily struggle in many facets of the game, but just couldn't put together enough points to pull away, I think is kind of the key takeaway from this one. Um, didn't have any turnovers offensively. They weren't playing extremely sloppy football, uh, but. Maybe just worth noting if you're looking at those top 25 rankings there. John Carroll at Baldwin Wallace was an exciting one if you're a Blue Streak fan. 30 to 7. And we talked this game about, you know, is this the second place game in the OAC because this is Mount Union's conference? The way that John Carroll's playing right now, like I said, they have a chance to compete with Mount Union. This is not a game for second place. This is the game to potentially run the conference, right? We know they had a loss in week one to Whitewater, narrow loss. That doesn't affect their conference standings. Now, Baldwin Wallace. Yeah, it didn't look great, right? They scored a touchdown in the first quarter. They actually scored first. Did not score again. Baldwin-Wallace, not exactly wire-to-wire, but a pretty dominant win in general. 29 first downs to 11 from Baldwin-Wallace. The stats continue, man. Over 300 yards passing, 400 total offense. But that time of possession stat, man, I'm looking at all these games. 37 minutes to 22. Guess who won? That's what it comes down to a lot of the time. Joe Collins, 23 for 33, 302 and two tuds. That's how you still fill a stat book right there. Excuse me. But John Carroll looking really solid. And when you, oh, excuse me. I'm trying to find, I was pulling up their schedule here. Um, But like I had said, that has a lot more implications than just second place of the OAC. This is a team that is trying to make the run this year. They're tired of waiting. They want to make it happen now. They're at Heidelberg next week, which Heidelberg, historically, not the strongest con- uh, you know opponent in that conference, but that could be a little bit more of an interesting game than you expect, for sure. Um, they don't have Mount Union until the second to last week of the year. So that, depending on how those teams 
continue to go, that could be the game. Number 14, lacrosse at Northern Michigan. Definitely got to talk about those guys. They pull out the 34-3 dub at NMU in the Superior Dome. Um, and a pretty balanced, pretty balanced attack from them as far as, you know, you got, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different guys getting carries on the ground. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different guys catching the rock. And for me, that was the biggest thing with them. I watched that game. Obviously, I was here covering it for Northern. And with this lacrosse team, and this is not a shot at their offense, there is not a player on that offense that necessarily stands out and is a marquee guy. Shit, maybe they all are because uh, they get it done. They're just solid across the board. And like I said, that's not a shot to them. It's actually kind of a compliment because they have so many contributors offensively. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for an offense to have that. Um, Northern obviously could not handle it defensively. And, you know, that's a team that was ranked very highly, appropriately so, suffered a bad loss. It's not a bad loss, a narrow loss last week on their home field, though, to Harden-Simmons, and they wanted revenge. They got a little bit of a get-back week this week. Finally, though, number 13, Johns Hopkins at Salisbury. Salisbury, a team that was receiving votes, and we thought maybe a good measuring stick for Johns Hopkins here. They didn't think so. 42-7, to they mollywopped these guys. <laughs> it was... It was a beatdown. Uh, Jeff Schroeder, 148 yards on the ground in a tud. How do you like that? They finished with 250 yards, John Hopkins did, on the ground alone. You know what I mean? Had an interception as well. Couple sacks. Luke Schurman, two sacks for him on the day. How about that? 14 yards in the TFLs. Team looks good, man. Team looks really good. And I think that's one of those games, too, where you look at uh, their schedule, and you say, well, have they really been tested? And by the way, they kind of have. That Ithaca win in week one, 27-17, that was a good one. But um, anyone else, I think, has been kind of, you know, the doubters have been silenced because that was a really dominant wire-to-wire win over a, a really solid squad in Salisbury. So it's kind of all we got. Be on the lookout for more of our Game of the Week picks, our Player of the Week selections. Otherwise, make sure to follow us on the socials. If you have stuck around this far, I really appreciate you, man, or woman. Whoever the hell you are, thank you for listening this far. But that'll be all from Division Region. I was so close to just finishing that off without any hiccups or errors. That will be all from Division One Rejects. Kobe Manzo, saying goodbye.